welcome to figure. <laughs> First of all, I'll fuck myself. <laughs> you dumb bitch. <laughs> Can I introduce? I'm keeping this in. Welcome to Figures in the Dark, the podcast where we tell stories of all things murderous, paranormal, and terrifying that go on in the dark. My name's Tori. And the one coughing is me. It's Taylor Shaw. Oh my god. And welcome back to our podcast. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Um, um, we are out of our normal routine. Today mm-hmm. is a Monday. We are both off mm-hmm. because I worked the weekend at my old folks home job. Oh my god. So today we've had... Our, we switched our routine around. Instead of us recording in the morning, going out and yes. getting groceries, we have got groceries, we've had food, yes. we're about to, like, do a whole big feast a meal in a little bit, yes. like, we've been off all day, mm-hmm. and we're very, like, we are slap happy, and oh my just, God. like... I have not taken my medicine yeah. today, so that means mm-hmm. that I have no thoughts in my head, I have zero focus... Nope. Um, and that means that Tay is feeding off of that energy. So, have fun listening. Yeah. So this is <laughs> going to be very chaotic, and we're also doing something a little bit different today because mm-hmm. I'm going to take you to a world that is neither murderous nor paranormal. Okay. However, we are in some ways in the world to those who perceive it that way, the world of two of true crime. But I am also going to kind of pose the question to you and everybody listening. Mm-hmm. As to whether or not they think that this genuinely is a crime, okay. or basically the question that I want everyone to have in their head, is this fraud or is this just a creative, or mm. just creative expression? Okay, so interesting. That is kind of the preface to this. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be talking to you guys today about the JT Leroy story, or which is... Something that I myself have been, like, obsessed with and have been fascinated with for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but some, I watched one of the documentaries that I referenced heavily in my notes for a lot of the, um, the person's, like, mm-hmm. actual quotes and things like that. As well as, like, I've seen this documentary at least twice now, and I find it so... I don't know what it is. It, like, weaseled into my brain. I found it so deeply fascinating, and I've never gotten it out of my head since. I have never heard of this. And you, you like, no. you let me know a little bit that it wasn't exactly true crime, wasn't paranormal. It was very, yeah. like, scam question mark. Hello? Yes. Um, so I'm interested to see, because I'm a very opinionated person, yes. as if we didn't... If you didn't know yeah. that, <laughs> have you been listening? If you did, if you know me and you didn't know that, do you know me? I didn't think the rants showed that. No, especially, no, no. No. Yeah, I'm not an opinionated person at all. So I'm very excited to, like, because I feel like with true crime and paranormal stuff, you can give an opinion, but it's not very, like... And I'm curious to see if mine and your opinions of Mm. this are going to differ. Because we we usually, when we have, it's when we talk about stuff, it's either one of two things. One, we agree exactly on everything, or we're complete fucking opposites. There's no in between. We've never been like, okay, I guess I can see. It's always been either, no, 100% I agree with you, or no, what the fuck are you talking about, i.e. Nickelback. Nickelback's disgusting. No, it's not. Okay, listen, they they have a song called She Keeps Me Up, and it's like a mix of country and like dad rock, and I fucking love it. That man disgusts me in every okay. possible level. I never said I liked him as a person. I never said I liked I the don't like band. his voice. I don't like his face. Look I at don't... his photograph. I hate you don't it. like that? No, I no, hate I that love song. it. Uh-uh. It love makes it. me want to impale myself. It makes me want to fucking change my oil in my dad's garage. All right. Yeah. So anyway, that's an image. Okay. Changing a car's oil? No, that that's you. Like what oh, yeah. that gives you. That's 
I grew up my with my dad changing yes. the oil in his car listening to fucking Nickelback. Yeah, so I had a different childhood. Yeah. My childhood was sitting there listening to uh, CCR and watching my dad try to uh, cut up a deer in the garage. Yeah, we didn't hunt. We changed oil in cars. So... Well, anyway, yeah. yeah. With that being said, we'll oh, see. Funny. I was watching a movie with someone the other day, and they were trying to like carve up a deer, and they were trying to do it on the back of the truck. And I was like, "Well, that's a bad idea. That's a bad place to do that." And they were like, "What do you mean? It's outside." And I was like, "It's just gonna spill all over your truck. You should like what we do is like we put it on a hook in the garage and have a bunch <gasps> of like stuff on the ground. So then when everything comes out, it just." Instead of all Never make truck. that noise ever again. That's fucking disgusting. That is... Never make... A, gross. Fucking gross. Grody. And then immediately, of course, in this horror movie, they then do exactly what I said it was gonna do, which was get all over the place. And you're like, Alright, well that's... Mm. Thanks for that. I don't mm. like that you know that. I'm like, you're welcome. This is what growing up in the country does to you. So... Anyway. Anyway. Anyway, we so digress. I, yes. yes. And also, strap in. This is going to be long. So far right now, my notes are 10 pages. I cannot wait. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. I like when we have a good long case, especially yes. when I haven't taken my medicine, because I can be yes. bullshit. I can't wait to be and bullshit. This is absolutely for our listeners who like the longer episodes and have longer commutes. Yes. So, this is for you. Yes. So, all right. To get us started. In 2006, Courtney Love and other various celebrities call and leave voicemails for JT Leroy on an answering machine. Most of them are either professing that they are fiercely defending him to the media about his existence, or the others are angry and bitter, demanding to know if this whole time they've been lied to and used. Okay. To make sense as to why this polarizing confusion, I have to take you back to one of the biggest moments in Leroy's career. To the 2005 Q&A post-screening of the film, The Heart is Deceitful Above All Things, that is being shown at the London Lesbian and Gay Film Festival. (gasps) Lesbians. Yes. Love it. So this movie, starring and directed by Asio Argento, the daughter of famous horror director Dario Argento, was an adaptation of the book of the same name written by Leroy. J.T. Leroy's book and this film is written about his traumatic boyhood detailing his experiences as being a transgender child prostitute, his long history of victimization and abuse, sexual exploitation, religious indoctrination, and an instance of seducing his sex worker mother's boyfriend, who in the film was played by Marilyn Manson, all while dressed as his own mother. Oh shit! I want to read that book. Right? Damn. Yes. Okay. So this so 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 this focuses around J T. Leroy mm-hmm. is a transgender man or transgender woman. Transgender. Well, it's kind of like he he doesn't really explain. I think okay. I believe born boy. Okay. But likes to be perceived as girl, as boy, or as anything in between. Okay. Yes. Just making sure. So I have so us, me, yes. and the audience have like a in our head. Well. To preface, not only does this take place in the early 2000s mm-hmm. when, obviously, they it was a very different world within the yes. LGBTQIA plus community. There was very different, like, terms that were considered okay, not okay, yep. as well as when it came to fluid gender identities wasn't nearly as clear-cut or Definitely. as simple or as yep. accepted. Definitely. Okay, so makes sense. So we're, we're talking about a culture when it comes to gender fluidity that basically saying certain terms are mm. still acceptable and or basically making 
in some ways light mm-hmm. of it is considered somewhat okay. And okay. that's kind of the vibe that JT gives off as well gotcha. about his own gender okay. identity and perception. So he uses he, him pronouns, though. He uses primarily he, him pronouns, but is okay with any and is okay, okay with being perceived as any type of gender. Perfect. Okay, just want to make sure you yes. have it clear. Perfect. Yes. So at this <clears throat> Q&A, Leroy, as he usually is, is wearing a red fedora, big sunglasses, and a blonde wig. He is very shy and will not answer any questions directly. After each question is asked, he would either whisper to Argento or the woman sitting next to him, Emily Frazier, who would speak for him. Frazier is identified as a, is a middle-aged woman with bright, dyed bright red hair and is described as being his childhood friend. However, Leroy, just by based on his appearance alone, is quite young and is in no way a similar age to her, and an appearance loosely resembles a Michael Jackson impersonator. Leroy does? Yes. Gotcha. Okay. So Leroy not answering questions directly and not speaking to the crowd is not abnormal, as for several years now, he has either done this exact same setup whenever at a book at book readings or at press events, mm-hmm. or he has not attended them at all and had others read his work on his behalf. Okay. So before JT ever came out of hiding, there were several readings all across the U.S. that had been occurring with others ranging from average fans mm-hmm. to celebrities reading his work for him. Oh, wow. So some of his most famous outspoken fans were Debbie Harry, Lou Reed, Nancy Sinatra, Matthew, Matthew Modine, Gus Van Zant, Rufus Wainwright, Shirley Manson, Jeremy Renner, Rosie, Rosario Dawson, John Waters, Michael Stipe, Carrie Fisher, Winona Ryder, Courtney wow. Love, Billy Krogan, and Tom Waits. Wow. So some big fucking names. Some big names. Damn. And especially big names within, like, the punk alternative yep, scene. Definitely. So to explain how he got such a star-studded fan base is not it it not only has to do with his poetic and innovative writing style but the content of what he's writing about as well as his unbelievable origin story as to how his works began to be published. So to explain how the works of JT Leroy began to be one of the most celebrated creations of his time and as to why celebrity fans are torn on their feelings about for him in 2006, I want to introduce you to a woman named Laura Albert. Okay. So Laura Albert in the 1990s was a woman living in San Francisco trying to be a musician with her boyfriend, Jeff Knope. To make ends meet, however, she works as a phone sex operator. Mm. But she is also addicted to calling child welfare hotlines, pretending to be a teenage boy who's experiencing extreme abuse, sexual exploitation, drug addiction, and forced child prostitution. What the fuck? So during one of her many calls to these welfare hotlines, she is put in touch with a psychiatrist who she starts speaking to on a regular basis as this boy who she begins calling Terminator. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this therapist encourages Terminator to write about his experiences as a form of therapy to help with the trauma he is experiencing and has experienced in the past. Albert takes this advice and begins writing short stories and other works from Terminator's perspective. I feel like I've heard this before. I feel like that, 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 for some reason rings a bell. Someone pretending to be a child who's abused. That rings a bell for some reason. I'm not sure if I, if I'm like, it's one of the things that it might, cause of, because of the work that I do, it might have just been like a, yeah. you know what I mean? But anyway, continue. I'm yes. sorry. No, you're good. So Albert, who is a huge fan of writers Dennis Cooper and Bruce Benderson, who primarily write about gay male sex workers and substance use disorders from semi-autobiographical perspectives, begins to call them as Terminator, talking to them about his life of trauma and asking them to read his works. Mm -hmm. So Terminator now starts going by the name J.T. Leroy, Jeremiah Terminator Leroy. 
So Cooper and Bennardson both become transfixed on JT's calls and allow him to fax his works to them. So they read it, and they are completely in awe. The material is raw, it's moving, and it is written in such a unique and lyrical way. So the voice coming through the page is detailing an entire subsect of population of a West Virginian culture of truck stops, drugs, tricks, abuse, sex crimes, and characters with fluid sexualities and gender identities. Mm-hmm. And it is all written and being explained to them on the phone by JT as being semi-autobiographical in nature, as he describes himself to be a young, transgender, queer, HIV-positive individual who has been working since childhood as, as a sex worker, being raised in part by his sex worker mother. So, hold on, pause. Mm-hmm. So, who was the, who's Albert again? What was her first Laura name? Laura Albert. She is JT Leroy. She is JT Leroy and is calling, pretending to be this child. Okay. Calling hotlines, has been talking to a therapist for a, a long period of time, pretending to be this boy. Okay, I think... And now talking to writers, claiming to be this boy. Okay, I'm a little confused, but I think I'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. 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 So Cooper and Benderson are obsessed with the work and quit... And quickly pass it on to publishers who immediately want to publish. Mm-hmm. So Leroy's first novel, Sarah, is then published in 2000 and immediately the book takes off. So the book is something right out of an Oprah Winfrey special. Given that it is beautifully written and the subject matter is about significant trauma and marginalized communities, people flock to the book and are desperate to have J.T. Leroy come out and show who he is. The literary world is on fire for him and he is being hailed as an authentic voice in American literature. Mm -hmm. So at first, it was just average people who were fans of Leroy that would read the book at book reading since he wouldn't come out of hiding. But the more popular the book became, the more famous the celebrity fans of his work became. Winona Ryder on multiple occasions read the book at book readings as well as Gus Van Zandt. Mm-hmm. So Van Zandt in particular really, really took a shine to the book, to the work and continuously called Leroy wanting to adapt the book into a movie and slash or have Leroy collaborate on the film he was about to direct. Mm-hmm. So Albert slash Leroy uh, couldn't pass up this opportunity given that they were a fan and Albert realized that if she herself met up with Gus Van Sant and told him the truth that she was JT Leroy, everything would be over because she was not physically him. Mm -hmm. She was a 30-year-old woman who was a mother and was struggling with her self-worth and had a lot of self-hatred for her body given that she was a plus-size woman who had experienced significant bullying for her size growing up. Mm -hmm. So she believed that she needed someone else to physically be Leroy for her. So she turned to her boyfriend Jeff's sister, Savannah. Savannah, who at the time used she, her pronouns, but currently uses they, them pronouns. So that Mm. is what I will always be referring to Savannah with throughout Mm. the remainder of this. They were skinny, had masculine facial features, Mm -hmm. and did dress androgynously at times. Mm. Seemed like the perfect fit to Laura. Mm -hmm. So Laura put a blonde wig and big sunglasses on Savannah and asked them to pretend to be JT Leroy. And they they agreed. <gasps> oh shit! Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Now my, I'm now I'm not confused yes. anymore. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Yep. Yo. So this woman has, for a significant period of time, been pretending to be this abused teenage boy to hotlines, to writers, to therapists, oh, and now no. is about to meet up with this celebrity this celebrity director who wants to direct their work <gasps> and adapt their book. Oh shit. But physically can't because then it will reveal that the writer is not the person they're saying they are. Oh, shit. So ask someone else to pretend to be them. Oh, oh, yes. shit. That's all. Oh, shit. Yep. Okay. So they met up <clears throat> Gus Van Sant, Savannah pretending to be JT, 
and Laura Albert pretending to be his British manager slash friend, Speedy. Does she have bright red hair? Ah! So at this meeting, Speedy, acting as a manager does, nearly all of the talking and arranges the logistics for Van Zant attempting to adapt Leroy's work. Eventually, Van Zant does end up adapting the book Sarah, but also asks Leroy to help uh, write for a movie that he was making, and Leroy slash Albert does. So fame comes suddenly, but the moment Savannah acting as Leroy becomes public, they blow up. And everybody wants JT to do book readings, magazine shoots, and invites him to concerts and wants to be his friend. Of course, because he's a huge character. He's a huge, huge celebrity at this yes, point. Yes, and he is a person who's being heralded. Who ha- The writing is amazing. Mm-hmm. I will show you um, snippets of the book yeah. and let you read it. It is amazingly written. Yeah. There's, Albert has a lot of creative writing mm-hmm. talent. Yeah. But also, they all think this is his true life experience, yeah. that he experienced this traumatic mm-hmm. life, and that he is basically becoming someone who is becoming the face of the trans community yeah. in some ways, because finally people are accepting and wanting to hear mm-hmm. from someone yeah. who okay. is in the community. Gotcha. Okay. So, they, like, blow up celebrity-wise. Okay. So J.T. Leroy becomes a fashion icon, does fashion shoots, is being given fat backstage passes to U2. Madonna sent him Kabbalah books. Wow. There are numerous celebrities talking to him daily, sending him gifts and inviting him places. <clears throat> and the more places J.T. and Speedy go to, the more famous the crowd that surrounds them becomes. The more famous the supporters are, the more that Laura believes that they have to keep this charade going. Of course, because here, think about it, even if it was the beginning and she let it slip that she was JT Leroy and this person who was in this blonde wig and these yep. glasses and, and red fedora, like, that would be like, what the fuck? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm already starting to form an yes. opinion. We'll get there, but okay. Mm-hmm. We'll continue. So this is how Ozio Argento, Argento then enters the picture. Mm-hmm. So Asia is obsessed with JT's work and most especially Leroy's follow-up novel, The Heart is Deceitful Above All Things. So Argento wants to adapt the book into a film and wants to do it as accurately as possible so that she allows for so she allows for JT and his team to be very involved with the making of this film. So the more time that Asia spends with JT, the more she starts to care for him and eventually it does lead to an intimate relationship between the pair. However, Asia at this time still has no idea that the person that she knows as JT Leroy is really Savannah, portraying him physically, but that JT is actually a literary character created by Laura Albert, the same woman who out in public was pretending to be Speedy or Emily Fraser. <gasps> okay, so so Asia is literally fucking JT. Yep. Thinking JT is JT. Yes. When in reality JT is Savannah. Is Savannah. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Yo, this yes. is like, holy shit. I, I guess a little bit worse for Asia. So during phone calls, there are many times where Laura is pretending to be JT over the phone, as she has been doing for years. Mm-hmm. But Asia is talking to her, believing this to be the same JT that Savannah has pretending to be, that Asia has started to have an intimate relationship with. Oh no. Yes. That can get messy real fucking yep. quick. So, however, during private moments between just Asia and Savannah, they have asked for Asia to call them Savannah when in private, but still has not told Asia that they are not actually JT Leroy. Oh, no, no, yep. no. <laughs> so, while on set making the film, 
Asya, however, does notice that JT is always joyful and upbeat, even given the horrific subject matter, and that the content is supposed to be these traumatic events that happened to him. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to critiques or demands uh, for most of the changes are being communicated by Speedy, to the point where Argento describes her in her own words as Speedy is a diva-like and petulant bitch. <gasps> oh, no, 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 yeah. no. Oh, I, I feel like I'm watching a television show yes. right now. I love this. So very dramatic. Love it. So Asia does not want to keep dealing with Speedy and instead wants to further their creative and intimate relationship with just JT. So at the film's premiere release, she separates JT from Speedy for the majority of the screening. This, of course, devastates Laura as she is watching her work come to life, but not fully being the person celebrated for it, and is instead being made to feel like her work is being stolen from her and all rewards are being given to Savannah. Well, I mean, it fucking makes, like, here's the thing. If you're going to make someone else be this character, this mm -hmm. caricature of your writing, and you're pretending to be, like, if you're an author that doesn't want, like, if she's doing this, she should have fucking realized by how this quick the fa happen. this was gonna fucking happen. Yes. And don't be don't be disappointed, don't be surprised when it does happen because yep. newsflash, bitch, like it's gonna they happen. They don't know. And, yeah, they don't know. They don't know. So like, how can you be jealous mm -hmm. if they don't fucking know? Exactly. You know what I mean? <clears throat> but I will say, I do think it's pretty fucked up though that you're getting on phone calls pretending to oh, be yeah. a person that's having an intimate relationship with this woman. Oh yeah. I find that a little invasive. And, oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Pretty fucked up. But, so this wounds her, and as time goes on after this, she begins to tell more and more of JT slash Speedy's famous friends the truth that she, Laura Albert, a middle-aged woman, wrote and created all of JT Leroy, and that he doesn't really exist in any physical sense, but is a being inside of her that, ha that she has been writing as because she thinks that no one would want to read things from just her. Okay, so then, so then, because Savannah is kind of, they are having this, like, yes. whole fame thing themselves, essentially, yep. and then Laura is getting pissed that, yes. that Savannah's getting all this fame, yes. so Laura's like, I'm gonna sabotage you, bitch, but then it's also like, I'm gonna sabotage myself, bitch, like. Exactly. Mm -mm. Basically. Fuck that bitch. So JT and Asia's relationship then ends after Savannah discovers that Asia is having a relationship on the side with Michael Pitt, mm -hmm. an actor that when Savannah first started beginning to pretend to be JT, had a brief intimate relationship with as well. Oh no, so Savannah's bitch. Yeah, so Savannah's hurt. Yeah, obviously. And their relationship ends. So given that Laura is now telling more and more people the truth about JT, eventually the news finally breaks to the rest of the world. So in 2006, the New York Times then writes an expose outing JT Leroy to the whole world as a huge literary hoax created by Laura Albert, who quite obviously was not an HIV-positive transgender sex worker. Mm -hmm. So the world is furious. Pan fans are pissed, thinking that they've been duped. The LGBTQIA plus community in particular is calling for her head. They accuse Laura of exploiting the AIDS crisis for profit and for ma manipulating the community. Mm-hmm. So, and of course, all of the celebrities that didn't know Laura's truth are enraged, thinking that they've been scammed, lied to, and essentially conned, given that a lot of them have given expensive gifts, experiences, and helped bolster their career and mm -hmm. provided them with a lot of hefty financial opportunities. Mm -hmm. So, and Asia, in particular, is livid. Oh, yeah, of course. The public, originally believing that perhaps Argento was a part of the scam, given that how close she had gotten to the Leroy team during the film, but she comes out in interviews trashing the pair and saying that they ruined her career and credibility with their lives. I mean, I, I get where she's coming from. Mm -hmm. I get it, because here's yeah. the thing, if you're so close, like, it'd be like, like, <clears throat> it's when, 
like not the same thing, but when like serial killers or criminals' mm-hmm. wives get shit, yeah, it's like, well, you should have known. It's like, well, she didn't fucking know, so don't give her shit because she didn't fucking know. Not the same thing, but you know what I mean. However, I didn't put it in my notes, but I will mention later when Laura Albert finally starts talking about, um, like, people not knowing, or, Mm -hmm. like, Asia and particularly not knowing, she... I disagree because I think it's a little victim blaming to Asia, but Laura basically says that she doesn't understand how Asia didn't know. Uh, because not only during those phone calls where she was pretending to be JT, she would switch back and forth pretending to be Speedy, JT, and Emily, like, all these people the whole time, as well as she was like, Savannah is biologically a woman. Savannah, you were intimate with Savannah. But also, here's the thing, what if JT never wanted fucking hormones? Yes, also, in JT's book, there, or, like, in one of his books, it's mentioned that he was, like, castrated or something like that, like, so, in some ways... I, uh, I can understand how Asia as, for, she primarily described herself as a straight woman who had only really dated men, straight men at that point, mm-hmm. wouldn't fully be knowledgeable or understanding of the transgender community and the different, mm-hmm. well, and also here's the thing, various just, stages it, someone could be at And, and plus, if you're, if you're intimate with somebody, like, it doesn't necessarily mean that, that they are naked seen, in front of you. Yeah, or that you've genuinely seen their their genitals genitals. exactly like intimacy looks like everything intimacy intimacy could be jt could have like savannah could have portrayed themselves Mm -hmm. as jt as like a touch me now as like i don't want to be touched yeah and then that Mm -hmm. that is still a valid intimate partner relationship exactly like just because Mm -hmm. just because um savannah may have never gotten completely naked in front of asia Mm -hmm. does not mean that exactly it's not relationships can be still valid exactly Without seeing someone's genitals. Exactly. So I disagree with Laura on Mm, that part entirely. But, okay, so this is where I lead you back to the beginning with celebrities, writers, and journalists leaving Leroy's Mm -hmm. answering machine uh, messages containing a mix of confusion, rage, betrayal, loyalty, and mockery. Mm -hmm. So now Laura Albert is ruined. Everyone thinks that this is some big scam. Her work that was once heralded is now being dismissed as a crazy person's professional con. So Albert then retreats and backs away from society and attempts to rebuild and rebrand this incident as a literary device for her to make creative work. Mm-hmm. So however, most people that worked with Leroy didn't see it that way and wanted there to be further consequences for Albert's actions. So Antidote, the company that adapted Leroy's first novel, Sarah, sued Albert for fraud, claiming that Albert signed the contract as JT Leroy, which would be fraud as that person did not exist and was a pseudonym. So given that Albert is not legally Leroy and cannot sign legal documents as a fictional person without making it clear that they are fictional. Makes sense. That legally makes sense. Yeah, makes sense to me. So Albert in court claimed that it was not fraud and had no in- as she had no intention of scamming anyone as she told the jury that the creation of JT was not to scam others but was a literary persona that allowed her the courage she needed to write. So however, the jury did not agree, especially after hearing about the company that Albert founded in Leroy's name that all of the money from these movies went into where the only employees of the company consisted of Albert, her mother, her sister, Savannah Knope, and her boyfriend, Jeff Knope. Oh no. So Albert is found guilty and is ordered to pay reparations to the film company Mm. due to fraud. So after this, Albert shells herself away and no one really is on her side anymore and everyone believes her to be some big con artist. Mm -hmm. So in 2008, Savannah Knope wrote the book, Girl, Boy, Girl, How I Became J.T. Leroy, detailing their experience behind being the actor behind Albert's literary creation. So 
in Knope's book, they tell the story as a wild adventure from their lens rather than some planned out con. So Knope describes Laura Albert as a jealous and manipulative person who was essentially emotionally abusive and controlling to all those around her, especially Savannah, given that they were physically pretending to be mm -hmm. Leroy. So in the book, Knope shows no real remorse or guilt for the situation because they perceived the whole thing as not a fraudulent act against these celebrities, but as just this wild game of pretend that grew larger than life. Mm -hmm. The only real guilt that they express in the book is to Asia, who they directly apologize to, given the nature of their relationship that, um, that they had, which Savannah described in extensive detail. Mm. So I feel that's a little That's a little too. icky, yeah. Yeah. So in 2014, the documentary, The Cult of J.T. Leroy, was released, and in it, former associates said Albert was, as J.T., solicit emotional support, favors, and gifts under false pretenses. Mm -hmm. So in it, nearly everyone interviewed details about how they felt taken advantage of, advantage of or swindled by Albert due to the tragic backstory that she weaved for J.T., so one of the interviewees tells how they sent a gift for each year he had been alive. Oh, Jesus. Another had sent a brand new computer to help him write. Mm -hmm. And one had even canceled his own Christmas after talking on the phone with JT and had said that he was going to go out and turn tricks. So one of the people interviewed was quoted as saying, this person made me feel like if I didn't talk to them, they were going to kill themselves. <gasps> oh, no. Uh-uh. Abuser. Abuser. Mm-mm. <laughs> yes. So in this documentary, it is quite obvious that no, that the tone that is taken is one where Albert is a fraudulent person who caused great harm to the people around her and that she had made fools out of so many people. Mm -hmm. So the cult of JT Leroy really tries to hammer in that from their perspective, what Laura Albert did was criminal and abusive. Mm -hmm. So two years later in 2016, director Jeff Fierzig makes the documentary author, the JT Leroy story in which he interviewed Albert for eight days and he spent two years years going through all of her diaries doodles Damn. notebooks phone bills photo albums and answering machine messages most of whom were from celebrities oh shit she kept all of it wow and he went, he's had to spend two years going through. damn all well think about it if, even if it was a year mm -hmm. like how like think about how many messages like a famous person gets in a week mm -hmm. a year of that like whole, uh, oh my god and in this documentary this is the one that i referenced <coughs> a lot um because she's mm -hmm. the one being quoted and interviewed for it but he put a lot of those messages in that documentary. Oh, so you shit. get to hear Courtney Love's voice. You get to hear Winona Ryder Damn. reading this. Like, reading the material. Like, you get to That's hear awesome. all this. It's a really good documentary. It's mm -hmm. a genuinely really interesting and a fascinating watch. And that's what made me become obsessed. Mm -hmm. um, so he did interviews... Or he did interview a few of the writers that she had gotten discovered by and publishers, but um, Savannah Knope and Jeff Knope declined to be interviewed for the documentary. Mm -hmm. So the story of J.T. Leroy, the J.T. Leroy hoax, is told pretty much entirely from Laura's perspective mm -hmm. in this documentary. So there is... There isn't really, other than what the writers and publishers then talk about, there isn't really anybody who is talking about this from a hurt perspective okay yeah so it seems yes. like the, the one documentary in 2014 was mm -hmm. more from a victim's perspective yes. versus this is more from from laura's perspective yes mm, okay yes so Fierzig said he wanted to make this documentary the way that he did and interview Albert in particular was because he thought that there was more to the story than what had been told. He believed that there had to be a true reason as to why Albert had done all of this and went through all of these hurdle, hurdles to try to pull this off for so long. And Laura agreed with that thought. So in the documentary, she discusses the reasons why she created all of this to begin with. Mm -hmm. So Laura herself had 
trigger warning. This does involve a real child now. So Laura herself had been a victim of childhood sexual abuse starting Mm -hmm. at a very young age from a trusted person in her life. Mm -hmm. So as a child, to cope with the abuse, she developed a binge eating disorder, Mm -hmm. as well as she used this as a way, as she describes, to become less desirable to her abuser. Mm -hmm. So this in turn caused her to gain significant weight as a child that led to constant bullying and harassment by her peers. So she describes that because of this, she began to hate herself and her appearance. And to cope with that, she turned to her dolls and her world of make-believe. So in this world, she was God. She was the creator of everything, which led to her developing a love for writing, storytelling, and the deep need to be loved by others, but not Mm -hmm. seen by others. Okay. So she also talks about how when she was a teenager, she was really drawn to the punk scene, Mm -hmm. but felt that she would not be accepted because of her size. Mm -hmm. So she convinced her sister to basically be like an avatar for her. She would dress up her little sister in the up in like punk androgynous clothes and send her out into the scene and have her report everything back to her, living vicariously through her. Ooh, okay. That that Mm -hmm. little bit alone, that mm, mm. okay, I'm gonna Mm -hmm. keep that in my back pocket for a second. That's some good knowledge to have. Yes. So this in turn developed a sense of uh, control for her mm-hmm. of her life and being a part of the things she wanted to participate in, but only through controlling another person mm-hmm. to do it. So as a teenager, her trauma really got to her and she suffered from what she keeps referring to as a mental breakdown, mm-hmm. after which her mother put her in a care home and never came back for her. <gasps> oh my God. How old was she? She was a teenager. Oh, Jesus. And that's like yep. a formative fucking year. Damn. Yes. So after she left, she was put in foster homes until she mm. aged out of the system. Jesus. So when she was living in foster homes is when she met her boyfriend, Jeff Knope, who when she first met him, she was pretending to be British until he eventually discovered that she wasn't. Mm. So they obviously did stay together. And as time went on, it developed into the JT origin story of her uh, to her having this addiction to calling child protection agencies, telling them of some of the abuses that she herself had suffered and some embellishments that she didn't. Mm-hmm. And of course, using this persona to be a conduit to talk about the trauma she otherwise couldn't have. Mm-hmm. So Laura provides a few explanations to how JT came to be for her. And she describes him as a form of therapy for her. And the way that she talks about him is not that he was like a creation by her, but at times describes him as if he is a real living person living inside of her. Mm-hmm. So she at times goes back and forth in the documentary as describing him as a literary device that allowed her to discuss her trauma and at other times nearly like an alter ego or identity. Okay. So she talks about him in ways similar to having multiple personality disorder or what it is now char- characterized as dissociative identity disorder. Mm-hmm. But she says at the same time that n- no, she doesn't have it because JT doesn't take over her, mm-hmm. but she is the one pulling the switch in ways to bring him out and how she is in control of which persona she is in at all times. <clears throat> Mm -hmm. So she talks about how she needed him to write, explaining that when she was young, she had tried to write about her abuses in a male voice when she was in school, but her teacher would not let her, which resulted to her dropping out and subsequently suffering from, again, what she characterizes as a mental breakdown. Mm -hmm. So she also talks about her reasoning for why she ever started having Savannah dress as JT in the first place and how she needed someone to give him the body that she never could provide him because... 
uh, she was all woman. And in a sense, she felt that she had betrayed him by having her child. Mm -hmm. She also talks about how she didn't see this whole thing as a hoax and attempts to reason with the public that this whole thing was art and that in her words, art should confuse. Mm -hmm. After the scandal, Albert says that she has never written as JT again, but she has said that she, or she has said that she hasn't written him off as never coming back in any way. She doesn't describe him as dead or over, but she says in ways he is like Tinkerbell. He exists if believed in. Mm. So to this day, Albert mostly continues to be condemned by the literary community and or the general public. She has, however, re-released all of the Leroy books under her own name after the release of um, this documentary mm. author, um, that one. So, however, she discusses when interviewed how she has shifted her focus from writing and now wants to focus on opening group homes for foster children because she wants to help foster kids like her. She says that she could have turned out violent given what she went through. However, instead, she decided to write fiction, but is still denounced for it. Mm -hmm. So, however, on the flip side, Savannah Knope continues to profit uh, from and has not been hated the way that Albert has. And Knope uh, continues to be a part of the fashion industry and consulted on the movie J.T. Leroy, starring Laura Dern and Kristen Stewart, that was released in 2018. Mm -hmm. So Savannah continues to talk about the scandal as not a scam, but more as an artistic experience. Mm -hmm. So that, my friends, is the story okay. of J.T. Leroy. All right. So I ask you, mm -hmm. is this a scam or mm -hmm. is this a literary device? So it's... There's a lot of things going into my opinion about this. So okay. my first thing, before you gave me the backstory, mm -hmm. it was, it could possibly be seen as a, she got swept up in this, didn't think it was going to happen that much. Mm -hmm. And then it just kind of took off and she's like, fuck, well, yeah. I can't ruin my success now. Yeah. However, after knowing about how she used to make her, her mm -hmm. daughter, her, her daughter, sorry, yeah. her sister got yeah. to the punk scene for her, how she also, there was another thing about controlling something oh the oh, pretend to be british yes. for her for her boyfriend like yep. that type of stuff that makes me a little more eh about it because yeah. that shows history that shows that mm -hmm. she has done this before yes like if this was like a one-off if i did something like this people would be mm -hmm. like you've never done this before like this is nope. you probably just got swept up in it this has been a thing for her and yeah. especially <clears throat> excuse me knowing that she went through child sexual abuse mm -hmm. like child childhood sexual abuse yes like it almost makes me feel like in certain ways she did become an abuser because she's like, oh, well, I could have been violent. I could have been this. Yeah. But also, it's also she's minimizing any type of manipulation that she did mm -hmm. because she could have come out once the stuff got big and was like, hey, wait, hold on. Yeah. I fucked up. I'm sorry. Yeah. What is... Because... Exactly. Pure like, I just thought people didn't... Like, it was a pen name, and I thought that if people saw who I was, nobody would Well, care. here's the thing. You can, you can write from yeah. a perspective... You that could, you don't have. That you don't have, i.e. Ellen Hopkins. Yeah. She writes yeah. in a lot of her books of, like, one of her mm -hmm. books is called Tricks. Yes. And it's about five young young people who come mm -hmm. from different backgrounds who end up turning tricks mm -hmm. in order to make yeah. themselves survive. And then it turn, and the second book is called Traffic, about them recovering from that. Ellen Hopkins herself has never mm -hmm. been into sex work or never been trafficked. Yeah. But she still wrote a very phenomenal book about mm -hmm. that. Having She wrote about it was a gay man. Yeah. who went into sex work mm -hmm. and almost become became HIV positive. Yeah. But she is a, to my knowledge, a white middle-aged straight mm -hmm. woman. Yeah. Like, you can do that and profit off of it. She is a very famous author. Yes. Laura could have done that as well. Yes. However, I think even the, the fact that she even chose to have Savannah act as JT, mm -hmm. I think that was the issue. If yeah. she would have 
if she would have never had Savannah act as JT, mm-hmm. I feel like I'd have a little bit of a different opinion. Yeah. Because it's not like... Well, well, to explain a little bit as to why I think she might have also thought she needed to do this mm-hmm. was be- before that, before Gus Van Zandt, all of that, when it was just the writers mm-hmm. who wanted to talk to her and she was talking to them as on the mm-hmm. phone as this person and pretending to be that person, they asked for pictures and to know what this person mm-hmm. looked like. And she mm-hmm. sent pictures of an old boyfriend she had had when oh, she was a child. Okay. And basically sent them all these pictures... As a boy. So they mm-hmm. also thought she genuinely was yeah. this person in appearance. Yeah. yeah. So I think maybe if she wanted to stay true to what she had already mm-hmm. been doing, which yeah. is, again, pretending to be this person yeah. in some ways. Yeah. So there could be that as to why she thought it was okay. But I do agree with you and I do understand like your perspective of her having a background of already doing this mm-hmm. and then choosing someone else to live yep. vicariously through to mm-hmm. continue this. Yeah. I, don't, I feel very torn about it, of Me whether too. or not this is creative expression or a scam. I feel like it's a little bit tricky, too, because it's also, it's not like it was, I don't want to say, like, just a gay yeah. man or just a gay man who was HIV positive. Mm-hmm. She chose to write as a transgender person yes. who had HIV, who was forced into sex work as a yeah. child with their sex worker mother. Yes. That's what rubs me the wrong way, is that you decided to take pretty much every single marginalized community possible, yes. except for people of color, yep. mesh into one person yep. and put it out to the world. Exactly. And I get that she was also, you know, because there's also something like we've had, mm-hmm. I have had clients in the shelter before where we, they would disclose like yeah. childhood sexual abuse or childhood mm-hmm. abuse and we obviously make reports because we're legally yeah. mandated to however we also sit down and the amount of stuff that that this woman was saying about her daughter being abused by her abuser sexually lined up very similar to how the the the, the client was abused by her father when she was when she mm-hmm. was young so like it's also projection like yeah. she like it's tough it's really tough because i think if she would have written it from a girl's perspective mm-hmm. i feel like i wouldn't be as upset about it i think so too i do completely agree and i i 100 do support the criticisms that the lgbtqi community was uh having at this time of saying that like yeah you were that i feel like especially the hiv positive thing yes. was very exploitative and super unnecessary yeah i agree like really was not a detail that she needed to because that was this. that's very like i feel like her adding the hiv positive into mm-hmm. that was like trying to be like Oh, look at me. Exactly. Like, like more, I need more sympathy. Yes. Like uh, That I don't like. I also agree that I don't like that she chose to talk about or to really appropriate the trans community mm-hmm. for her financial benefit. Mm-hmm. But I do in some ways understand, and as a person who does write fiction and writes from perspectives that I don't have, I can understand, and also as a person who in some ways does discreetly uh bring out parts of my own trauma Mm -hmm. in my writing and talk about things that are similar to what i've gone through but not what i uh, Mm -hmm. entirely my own experience with these things that part i do understand using someone else's voice to kind of talk about parts of your own trauma oh i get that part i completely understand and i can kind of in some ways understand the need for your identity to be hidden. Well, it's also, it's, it's, it kind of is the same psychology mm-hmm. behind, like, if you go to someone or, like, hey, my friend is going through this problem, but in reality, you're the, you're friend. the friend. It yes. makes sense. Like, having not one... Because at the end of the day, if you open up to someone about... Because think about it. If you go up to someone that you, like, a coworker, and is like, hey, question for you. My friend is looking yep. to have her boyfriend move in with us soon. Yep. I'm not sure how to go about X, Y, Z. Yes. Like, and then in reality... I'm that person who's doing that, and the, the, yeah. the, the coworker is like, 
oh, well, that shouldn't fucking happen. Like, I don't want to bear my yeah. soul and have that, that, that rejection, huge, that rejection. So I get that. Cause I, I mean, I can't sit here and I'd be a hypocrite if I said, sat here and said, I've never gone to someone and been like, Hey, my friend did this. Yeah. Or pure example in our, in, in social work, in the work that we used to do that I currently do. Yeah. Self-disclosure is a huge thing. So when I talk to clients, sometimes I will go, Hey, my friend has been through this exact same thing. When my yeah. friend was in an abusive relationship, mm-hmm. she dealt with X, Y, Z, just like you did. In reality, that's yeah. me. I'm the one who, that's my experience, but I'm yes. not doing that because at the same time, that would benefit me more than, than the client. Exactly. You know what I mean? So I, I get why she need, felt like she needed someone who had a voice besides, besides her own. Yes. I get that. I just don't like how, like you said, mm-hmm. she almost capitalize all on the on the HIV plus community the trans yes. community and the LGBTQ community like yes. I don't like that I also don't like how she seemed very like she seemed like a fucking bitch she seemed yes. like she was a control freak and I mm-hmm. get that but also I can understand it almost the makes sense to though. be controlling of your work because as someone who like I understand up from that perspective as a writer myself, but although I've only been published once, mm-hmm. I can understand, and I remember that when my work did get published, they tweaked some things and they took out some lines and mm-hmm. changed some parts of my piece that I really was not happy with mm-hmm. because they especially changed a line that I was really proud of and that yeah. I really liked the impact that it had, and I think that they made a mistake mm-hmm. genuinely when changing yeah. this one line in particular, yeah. but... And I can understand being so controlling of your writing and of your work in that way because it is oh no it comes yeah from such a personal personal yeah. and sensitive place that part I can understand I can understand her being controlling over the work and how it's being displayed mm-hmm. on film I can understand that what I cannot understand however is the controlling of Savannah that, of I think that's where I was trying a, to get or at. them as a yeah. person and her yeah. going through all of this these hoops and this crazy game not only fully controlling savannah but controlling everyone around her yeah to thinking that savannah is a person that they're not and i and i really don't like how i think something that would make me feel a little better about it is if laura sat down with savannah and Mm -hmm. talked to them and was like hey let's study jt let's talk about how jt is and then let savannah have kind of so I don't say I don't want to say artistic expression her yes. like themselves. Yeah. However, I feel like let Savannah be able to talk as JT. Yeah. Let Savannah be able to talk on the phone mm-hmm. to Asia as JT because yes. that really bothers me. That how, really bothers how me. How the fact that Asia and mm-hmm. and quote unquote JT or Savannah yes. were in an intimate relationship mm-hmm. and Laura pretended to be Savannah mm-hmm. even when Savannah told Asia yeah. to call them Savannah. Yes. Like that really bothers it's me. Really bothersome to me. I think. What would have made this, I think, different in my mind is if Lara would have took out their reins a little bit and had hired an actual manager. Yes. And that the manager knew of all of this to yep. begin with. Because, and that yep. any person going into projects with JT's team would know yes. that this is a something to protect Lara mm-hmm. and to protect the sensitivity of the nature of Laura's abuse yeah. that she is then putting into her writing, yeah. that then it would have been fine. It would have protected everybody in between. Savannah wouldn't have been abused by Laura because Laura mm-hmm. wouldn't have been able to completely control the entirety yep. of Savannah pretending to be JT. Mm-hmm. And there would have been someone who would have been protecting the work, protecting them all, and would have made sure that it was transparent to anybody who was doing genuine work and adapting JT's work, that JT was fictional and that Laura mm-hmm. was truly the creator. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree. It's definitely like, 
that there's a there's a bunch of layers to it that like i feel like i feel like as my one coworker says from always sunny in philadelphia there's a peppa sylvia board like the red string board i feel like i need one of those to be able to like okay this happened here this happened here because just talking about it hearing it for the first time i feel like i need to dive into it to have a fully fledged Mm -hmm. opinion yes because there is so much to talk about there's so many behaviors so many so much trauma Mm -hmm. on laura's behalf yeah but also like it's just ah, why did my first question Mm -hmm. why the fuck were you addicted to calling child hotlines that's fucked I I don't want to be judgmental fully on because I have met some folks through being a victim's advocate that I think in some ways did have an addiction to calling the hotline. Oh, and yeah. had an addiction to having that sympathy through the phone and having someone be empathetic and caring yeah. and kind to you. And, like, I can think of, as we remember at that same place that we worked at, our frequent callers, yep. our frequent flyers, as we called them. Yep. There's... Like, the one person in particular, um, the one fella that would yep. call a lot, yep. that's kind of what I feel okay, that that yeah. place came from for her, yeah. is that constant okay, need yeah. of someone to give her the love and kindness that she never got about mm-hmm. her abuse. And I yeah. think, unfortunately, for Laura in particular, although I don't love that she was pretending to be this child mm-hmm. that she wasn't and pretending to be this boy... And not talking about her actual abuses in her own voice, I can understand, again, how she needed that to even mm-hmm. over the phone anonymously. Because there's a part of her that had buried it so deep that she could not talk about it as herself mm. for so long. Which makes sense. In the 1990s, she was a broke woman, didn't mm-hmm. have extensive therapy, had grown up in the foster care system. Her mother had thrown her away. Mm-hmm. Like, she had none of the things to make it... So that she mentally could be well enough and supported mm-hmm. enough to have anybody listen to her directly about her mm-hmm. direct abuses. Yeah. So I understand how that part came to be and even how the addiction then came to be mm-hmm. and how this all kind of got out of hand in some way. And all of this in some ways could have been solved by the one thing that we're constantly saying solves everything. Therapy! therapy. Like if she had just gone to extensive therapy for years, I think in some ways... A lot of this never would have gotten out of this control and never would have mm. gotten this bad. And she would have had genuine healing from more than just this mm. persona. Yeah, I agree. I feel like it's, like I said, there's so many aspects of this. Like, yes. I, like I'm thinking now that you brought that up about, like, the people who used to call the hotline, or even people who call the mm-hmm. hotline where I work at now, like, they'll call and I'll try to refer them to, like, a warm line instead of a hotline. Because mm-hmm. the difference between a hotline and a warm line, hotline is normally for emergency. Not emergency, but, like, you're calling halfway for... Halfway to an emergency. Halfway to an emergency. It's like a you're, crisis. Yeah, a cri- exactly. Like a crisis hotline. A warm line, on the other hand, is something that there's something... There's the National Alliance for Mental Illness, like, Alliance for mental illness or whatever. It's called it's NAMI. Yeah. And so they have a lot of warm lines where you can call for certain hours a day and mm-hmm. just talk. Yeah. And even if you're like, I just had a really rough day, I need to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. That's what that's for. And I and yes. I know I have given fl- frequent flyers that those numbers, yes. but they don't want to go because no. they want to call this specific hotline. Exactly, because they have developed that emotional yes. connection to the and trust to this organization. And also because, unfortunately, traumatized individuals who have not gotten out of that cycle of trauma internally don't understand sometimes the difference between physical you're being physically in danger a crisis mm-hmm. and needing emotional support and and also i feel like it also now that i'm thinking about it like people who call 
and talk about like what their dad did to them or what mm-hmm. to their mom did to them or what their partner did to them like years ago and just want to like talk about it and talk about it. Yeah. They're processing it because like, let's say in my case, like I work at a domestic mm-hmm. violence uh, shelter, hotline, whatever. Like the people who call in our regular flight, like frequent flyers normally mm-hmm. are people who have experienced domestic violence, but they just want to talk about it over and over and over yes. again. That's a way of coping, even though it's not, they should be technically calling a warm line because they yes. just need support, they need support but they think that they can't call a warm line because they want to talk to someone who's experienced in that thing. So yes. it does make sense now that I'm thinking about it, that Laura would call child mm-hmm. abuse hotlines because she experienced <clears throat> child abuse. She wanted yes. to talk to someone who was experienced in dealing with yes. child abuse and heal her and yes. a child that she had never gotten any help for, for that abuses. And now I can, and it makes complete sense to me as a person who is still processing and still mentally stuck in the abuses that they had Mm -hmm. talking to people who were trained to help children who were experiencing abuse hearing the sentences that they needed to hear of the it was not your fault yeah this person although they were trusted person they used that trust to manipulate you they so i can understand this the direct care Mm -hmm. and love and the sentences that they particularly needed to hear yeah and that was also i think in so many ways the support that she was getting through jt's writing and the jt persona in general of hearing because everybody was then flocking to support Mm -hmm. this supposed person who had experienced these horrific childhood abuses Mm -hmm. and were saying the things that she needed desperately for other from others to hear Mm -hmm. but unfortunately didn't know or couldn't figure out a good way to have it being told to her yeah it's tough this is this is one that i think i i want to watch a few documentaries movies and stuff like that on and get get a better opinion on it absolutely Um, i know when i first mentioned to you about the kristen stewart movie and laura dern movie that you were immediately like i went kristen stewart because yeah i don't know if we brought it up on the podcast yet so like everyone has like that celebrity crush Mm -hmm. yeah i'll be quite real i love des i love my fiance i deck him in the fucking face for a chance to kiss (laughs) kiss kristen stewart understandable i am in love with that woman absolutely i will sit there i have caught myself staring at pictures of her before because she is unbelievably attractive (laughs) she is so fucking hot anyway like it's yeah so it's like it's Mm. tough because i so i know we're probably gonna watch that at some point i particularly want to watch um the heart is deceitful above all things because i want to know genuinely like how intense this trauma was Mm -hmm. that Asia was then trying to direct and come to Mm -hmm. life on screen. Yeah. So I do want to watch that. I am attempting to buy one of the books so I can read it. I read, like, the first couple of chapters on one of those Mm. online previews for the book Sarah, and it was incredible. Mm. Like, genuinely, when I say beautifully written, like, Laura Albert has a genuine artistic creative writing Mm. talent. Yeah. She can write beautiful prose. Yeah. Unfortunately, the problem is, is everything else that came after. Mm -hmm. It was, I, in some ways, I don't think entire well i don't love the pretending that the books are written from an autobiographical perspective by not explaining that you are not Mm -hmm. jt and that jt is your your pen name and your pen persona and that you were a different person Mm -hmm. because some of it is semi-autobiographical however it's a lot less autobiographical than mm. what you're saying, and people are yes. perceiving it as far more autobiographical than what you're letting them yeah. genuinely know. No, because then there's also begs the question, like, how do you feel about 
her accepting all the stuff from all these celebrities as JT Leroy when she knew that it was not that she was not JT Leroy. Um uh, I'm conflicted about that yeah. too cuz like my like the big part of my brain that is also constantly screaming, like, eat the rich, is also like, fuck them. Take You're advantage rich. of them. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. You know, like, you yeah. have the money to spend, whatever. Yeah. You spend it on dumb shit anyways. Yeah. Some of you are fucking buying zebras and dumb shit, so why not yeah. give money to a person who was traumatized and give money to a writer who created a work that you liked? Yeah. So in some ways, I'm like, eh, I don't really, I don't have a lot of sympathy for someone mm. who's obscenely wealthy. Yeah, but no, I got you. On the other hand, when it comes to, I think, the general public and the general fans, Mm -hmm. that, like, Asia, I do feel sympathy for. Oh, 100%. Because what happened to her in particular, I think, was very skeevy and inappropriate. I would be very traumatized if if I find out that the person I was talking to on the phone wasn't the person I was having sex with. It was a a random bitch. Exactly. That, I feel, is deeply inappropriate. Mm -hmm. I do have a lot of sympathy for her. And I have a lot of sympathy for the average fan who saw themselves... Yes in JT and who felt yes. represented by him. Because I could also see if you're a fan who felt represented by him, like, and then you came out and it was like, oh, this person's not real. It's like, oh, well, did anyone else experience what I experienced? Exactly. You know what I mean? That, I could feel bad for people who, yes. who are like, who were, who were or are, yeah. you know, HIV positive trans sex workers who yeah. are forced into that. Like, there are mm-hmm. numbers of stories online about people like that. And it's like, those are kind of, I don't want to say few and far between, but ones that are actively talked about and recognized by the general public and accepted Mm -hmm. by the general public are very few and far between. So having someone who is maybe actively in that work, Mm -hmm. actively being forced to do that, see that and be like, oh my God, there's this this person who went through what I went through to find out that it didn't fucking happen. Exactly. That sucks. That's fucked up. I feel so very conflicted. Like I said, I feel torn and mm-hmm. it's situational to me on who I feel sympathy I agree. and empathy for in this situation. Yeah. I think either way I feel a little icky about it. Yeah. Regardless, especially because it was especially because she kind of made it out to be like though I feel like she did a lot of from what how you described yeah. did a lot of backtracking be like, oh well no 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 this is a literary literary device. Literary exactly. device. However, or that was this not is the, a persona. This is this was, I have that, like DID, but I don't. This yeah. was not started as that. Yes, you know what I mean. I think that's the part that makes yeah. me skeevy and icky about it is that yeah. it was not started as a literary device. It was not started yeah. as a persona, as a another quote unquote personality or someone inside of her. Yeah. It was not started as that. Yeah, it was started as her pretending to be someone she was not. Yes. You know what I mean? Where it's like, it'd be a different story. Yeah. If, if you as a writer were like, you know what? I want to kind of talk about trauma I've been through. Let me make up a character that went through what I went through, mm-hmm. but write it under like, like those, there's those yeah. books that's like, don't ask Alice. It's written yeah. it, like that. Like, oh, that, actually that book's a scam. None of that's real. Oh, well, fuck me then. Yeah, never mind. Oh, sorry. Yeah. This is also in vain with that. Like the don't ask Alex book, ask Alice book absolute scam none of those events are real it was completely made up and it was actually made up by like this mormon woman who was basically trying to like get people to be like anti-drugs and like go to religion well i'm gonna retract what i just fucking said yes yeah, but you know but no 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 you're good yeah. but you know what i'm saying like if you were as a writer to be yeah. like i want to make up a persona mm-hmm. but then pure example fucking ellen hopkins exactly i think that's a great example like she has so pure fucking and one of the yes. ones that gets me a lot and I talk about a lot is the book Identical. Oh my god, that book, that book me up is mentally. amazing and it's very well written, mm-hmm. but she writes it from an experience of, 
you know... Identical twins. Of identical twins. Not even identical twins. Well, I don't want to spoil it. Uh, yeah, identical that. twins, whatever. Yeah. Writes it from a perspective that she herself is not a twin, but she also writes it from a perspective she is not someone who, to my knowledge, A, has been sexually abused, or, mm -hmm. or has any type of mental illness like the one that yeah. is in the book because when she started writing her first books mm -hmm. crank it was from it was she was writing it because that's what her daughter had gone through mm -hmm. so she started writing crank glass and fall that's like the, the series yeah. the original series she wrote that was written based off of her chi her child's experience yeah. but then that got so much like let like like um headway so much yeah. like so much fame whatever that yeah, she was I like those books being absolutely insanely yep. popular mm -hmm. i read a bunch of them i, I was they're, a huge fan they're currently my she yeah. is one of my absolute favorite authors i own half of the books like mm -hmm. i'm constantly re, re i have read yeah. impulse i've read crank probably like five times i've read yeah. impulse at least three or four times mm -hmm. like i just reread tricks because that was so fucking good like yeah love her work but that's an example of writing about your trauma yes. especially someone mm -hmm. else's trauma that you also kind of were, were experiencing at the same time yes. i.e her daughter without being like oh i'm christina exactly. oh i was i was i was a method that's what i think is the uh is the best example of what to do and yes. what not to do because ellen hopkins is writing about a trauma that in her, some ways she didn't experience because she was the mother of someone who experienced something very traumatic mm -hmm. and had to try to help her daughter come yes. through that but she is not pretending to be her daughter yep. and say that she is the person who experienced yep. these things. She is saying, no, someone I love did. Yep. And, like, I guess in Laura's situation, like, yes, she herself experienced these things. However, she was willing, and instead of just, like, making JT as her pseudonym, mm -hmm. like, basically, like, identity protective character, she was just 100% full bore, let's make this a real thing mm -hmm. let's make this a real yeah. persona and like make everybody believe this is a real person mm -hmm. who is not me and i feel like i'd also be a little bit different if she didn't have savannah dress up as jt yes if it was that strictly was a pen name and even honestly i might feel a little bit different about it too if she still went out as the manager of jt yeah i still might feel a little bit yeah, different like about if that it was a genuine hired actor yes who signed up for that exactly or or if she if, if she genuinely pretend to be speedy and jt just never went in public yeah i would feel different about it then the fact yeah. that she had someone she knew mm -hmm. like yes. essentially manipulate them into being yep. jt that's and what really savannah mm. i forget i i absolutely really should have this is i'm showing myself that i did not do good enough research mm -hmm. to figure out what age savannah was when mm -hmm. they were first being asked to pretend to be jt but i believe they were in the early 20s mm -hmm. like yeah late teens early 20s yeah I'm, so they yeah. were extremely young and in their own very vulnerable and like really easily mm -hmm. manipulative age manipulated yeah. age yeah they were barely an adult Yep. Mm-hmm. So, um, so she, uh, they were only 19 years old when it okay. started. Yeah. So literally they were a baby. They yep. were literally just coming into adulthood mm -hmm. and having someone who is a very trusted person to them. Mm -hmm. This is their brother's longtime partner mm -hmm. who is now asking them, can you pretend to be mm -hmm. this person that I've been writing as for years? And at mm -hmm. first it was just supposed to be this easy. Yeah, sure. I'll just yeah. pretend at a dinner. Cool. Mm -hmm. To... I have to go out in front of millions of people and try to do a book. I have to consult on a fucking movie. Yes. Well, this is the one that really like broke my heart in the documentary was 
the first time that Savannah had to do an actual book reading as JT Leroy, there were thousands of people in this audience and they were so terrified. They were throwing up, mm. shaking. And when they got out there, they were freaking out, literally telling Laura, I cannot do this. I cannot do this. I oh cannot read as this person. And Laura was like, you can do this. Do If you have to get under the table. And they literally did in front of thousands of people. They crawled underneath a table, hid their face, and turned away to read this because they were so terrified. Yeah, see, that that's fucked. Like, yeah. that's fucked. Like, cause it could have been simple as, yeah. how many times have a has a concert gotten canceled or a book yes. reading gotten canceled? Or you do just go out there and say, I'm so sorry, JT is here, but he physically cannot read this to you yeah. and someone else go out Because how many times have you have, have we heard of authors that are so good behind a pen mm -hmm. but are terrified of reading in person? I'll be honest, I don't know if I'd ever yeah. be good at a book reading. If the book that I've been writing for years, if it ever mm -hmm. finally comes to fruition and it gets published, I don't know if I could do a book mm -hmm. reading. I'd be terrified. Yep. I know I can do public speaking, but anytime I've ever done public speaking, I have been teaching violence prevention education. Yep. I have not been reading my material. Yep. The only time I have ever spoken as myself in any kind of public arena or event was the most sensitive thing in the world to me. I mm. spoke at a Take Back the Night rally and I did talk about my experiences of mm. sexual assault. Mm. And that was I was crying. Yep. I was shaking. I thought I was going to vomit. Yep. It was too much because I was talking about myself. I wasn't yep. just talking about well, an issue. Pure example is like I, t I every pretty much everyone in, in college has to take a, a communication speech mm -hmm. class. When I wrote speeches, I was terrified. However, you tell me to go up and talk about something someone else wrote, I'll be fine. Yeah. Because it's not my shit. Yeah. Even at something as simple, like, if you asked me to read your shit, I'd be fine because it's yeah. not mine at the end of the day. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It's the same as, like, if I went to a book signing and then or a book a reading and someone asked me, tried to pick apart my work or asked me 5,000 questions, mm -hmm. I'd, I'd shit myself. You'd like, crumble. Yeah. yeah I'd, I'd completely fall apart mm -hmm. because it's something that's so sensitive to mm -hmm. me. Yeah. So it's, this is a... Yeah. I know this wasn't technically true crime. There was yes. some more white-collar yeah. crime than anything. Well, there was abuse oh, yes. crime that had happened... Oh, 100%. Story, yeah. But well, honestly, even the fraud part, like, yeah. that makes complete sense. Because yeah. even someone who's writing under a mm -hmm. pseudonym, like, even if it's, mm -hmm. like, for example, like, even though she's a piece of shit, J.K. Rowling. Yeah. Like, even, she genuinely doesn't sign contracts as J.K. Rowling. No. She signs as her full fucking name. Yes. You write under a pen name. Yeah. If you were to sign a thing, you wouldn't sign it as your pen name. No. You would sign it as Taylor Shay last yeah. name. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, you wouldn't sign it as your pen name. Mm -hmm. Because you can't, I don't yeah. sign, when I'm at work and I have to sign contracts and sign, like, intakes mm -hmm. for clients, I don't sign it as Tori, my last name. I sign it as yeah. Victoria, my last name. Yeah. Because... It's a legal mm -hmm. document. Like, so I understand why the company was pissed and why the company or the, the publishers, whatever they were, who sued her, who sued her yeah. I understand why they did it. And Absolutely. I think they were 100% the right for that because... I agree. Because if they would, if she would have been transparent with them, mm -hmm. it would have been a whole different fucking story. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely. I completely 100% agree with you. And I... I don't know. I'm still so very torn in so very many ways about how I feel about mm -hmm. all of this. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. I think, Damn, that was a yeah. good one. That was oh, a really you. good one. Because I also, like, even just looking at, like, the timer, like, that spurred, like, mm -hmm. 30 minutes of conversation of just, yeah. like, opinions. I love yeah. cases like that.
it it leaves me with a lot as someone who has already like read so much into this who Mm -hmm. has tried to read portions of the book who has seen documentaries about it i still don't know how Mm -hmm. i feel 100 percent. and this is one of those things that i feel like because there's so many layers to it yeah like you can't because there's it's not just like laura pretended to be jt and didn't tell anybody it's not like so mm-hmm. it was it was so many different people involved in this. I don't want to yes. say I cuz I don't know if it's gen- I yeah. Don't yeah. I don't like is it a hoax by definition probably. Yes. Was it a meaningful hoax Did she do it on purpose? Who yeah. knows? Was this a scam? Was this just creative expression yeah. that got out of hand? I don't know. Mhm. I genuinely can't decide. I agree. I feel the exact same way, but that was that yeah. was a good one. That oh, was. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I much appreciate. Yes. So I yeah. much appreciate all Love of you guys it. really strapping in and listening because mm-hmm. I know this was a bit of a long one. Yes, I really yes. enjoyed that. But before we, you know, do our normal sign off, mm-hmm. I wanted to do a shout out. Yes. To a mutual podcast or a podcast we both follow each other on Instagram. Mm-hmm. The podcast is called Brutal Bizarre Boozy, and um, they are a mother and son duo who talk about you know uh, crimes, bizarre occurrences, boozy cocktails, that type of stuff. Um, they recently followed us on Instagram. We followed them back. Um, they really like our podcast, and we just want to give them a major shout out because we really love when. And we were so it was so sweet. They gave us a five star rating, yes. and they they said a compliment that really like touches my heart. Mm-hmm. That like that they really enjoy our dynamic. Yes, which really means a yeah. lot because like, and we've talked about this in our personal lives with our mutual therapist and our, you know, old, our friends and stuff like that, that this, how we act on the podcast Mm -hmm. is not a, like, it's It's not not a mask. This is literally how we act. Honestly, I think the episode that shows the most of our relationship Mm -hmm. is the Baker Mansion. Yeah. That alone, that is literally majority of the time. That's how we fucking act. Like me looking at Tay and being like, what are you talking about? You have a lot of rules. It's mm-hmm. the bare fucking minimum. That alone, like, that is literally majority of our friendship. So, like, it means a lot to us when people say, like, I, even people I know personally are, like, I know both of you well, and this is, you know, mm-hmm. who you guys are. Like, um, our therapist listens, and she loves it, and she jokes because she doesn't see both of us at the same time, but she loves mm-hmm. hearing our dynamic because she hears us talk about one another in sessions, but doesn't hear us both at the same time. So she can actually, this is the only time she can hear both of us yes. at the same time and she enjoys it, which means yeah. a lot to us because especially like, mm-hmm. especially having our therapist say that, like we yeah. open our souls to this person. Yes. And the fact that she's like, when you're sitting on my couch and you're talking, you are the same Tory that I hear on the podcast. Yeah. And with same with you, Tay. Yeah. Like, it means a lot when she says that. So we just appreciate when people say like of a dynamic, yes. not to like get into a And huge, also just like, like, we're just so appreciative yes. of any of you guys like listening, mm-hmm. following. As and, of like, last night, we had 203 followers yes. on Instagram. We've hit yes. over two, 200 bitches. So like, we thank you so yes, much. Yes, we love you. So we love you creeps. We love you, you know. I don't know. Yeah. We don't have. You're not weirdos, because like yeah. I mean, we are, but yeah. like we don't want to take our that from morbid. Figures. Yeah, we're little 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 figures that follow our little yeah. figures that follow us. Like we love yeah. you guys. Like we just, it is so much fun to do this, and this is something that I was talking to Des about last night, and I was saying like I just love having a podcast. Like this is something that I never thought would actually come to fruition, and it is, and it's so much yes. fun. Like it's just. So much fun to be able to, and it gives me an excuse, like, and a reason to research this shit. Yes. Because I do this already. Might as well, like, do something creative Yes, it, it feels less creepy and weird to be like, yes. oh, yeah, I just, like, read five articles about this case because it weaseled into my brain. I'm not an obsessive, like, creepy person. Mm-hmm. I'm just doing this for the podcast. Exactly. Wink, wink, wink nudge, wink, nudge. Wink, wink. But no, I wanted to read 5,000 articles about this one thing because I always exactly. want to know every piece of information exactly. about it because I'm a Gemini and I want to shout it at someone later. Oh, my God. And I'm a Leo that I'm just like okay uh, and then my Virgo rising is like I have to do everything all at once I have to research everything all at once oh my god 
Anyway, yes. and but like, yeah, we just have a lot of fun doing this. Yeah. This is our fun time. Yeah, and this is and it's it's enabled us to also we have a spare room in our house that used to be our old roommate's room and has enabled us to transform this room mm-hmm. from what was just carrying like two or three cat beds and a cat tower to yeah. a fully fledged room that is decorated that is you know That's nice a, and cute like a version of us and a place yes. that we can comfortably want to be. In. Yes, exactly. So it's you know the podcast has done a lot of good stuff for us and mm-hmm. we really appreciate everyone supporting us and. You know, I know Erin recently has posted something on her Facebook about it, and I really, yeah. it made me cry when I read it. Like, it so nice. we appreciate everyone's good good words and everything, and we've gotten a lot of very good mm-hmm. feedback about it. And we, you know, we're, we're even though we do this for us, yeah. like, we're here for you guys. Like, we Absolutely. want, we want to, if we're, if our, mm-hmm. if our bullshit entertains you for an hour and a half, yeah. fuck it. I love it. You yes. like it, I love it. Like, Absolutely. I love mm-hmm. that I can shout into the void for an hour and 15 minutes with my best friend mm-hmm. and just like yeah talk bullshit i exactly. love it i love it yeah it's amazing so, so we thank you so yes. very much and yes. if you want to follow us on instagram like we were talking about mm-hmm. our, we are we are at figures in the dark if you want to follow us on twitter or send us a tweet you can send us a tweet or follow us at wait hold on I, ah, you're fucking I you're fucking me up because normally i'm the one who does this okay so twitter <laughs> At Figures in the Dark, but dark spelled D-R-K because character limits. Yes. Or you could send us a message on Facebook or follow us on there. Figures in the Dark. Or you can send us a um, an email with your case suggestions, your stories, correct, uh, kind criticisms, yes. uh, compliments, anything yes. uh, to yes. our email. Pictures of your cats or dogs. Um, oh my god, yeah. Figures in the Dark at gmail.com. No. Figures in the Dark Podcast at gmail.com. This is why you're fucking me up. <laughs> listen, you uh, listen. No. Uh, figures in the Dark Podcast at gmail.com. There you go. I'm, I, I yes. want to see if I want no. I want to see if you get the ones our our platforms right. You're fucking. Oh you're, no. You're fuck Never you mind. Up. I don't know. So you can follow us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. So with that being said, <laughs> thank you for listening, and as always, beware the figures in the dark. All right. Bye. bye. You really fucked me up on that. I one, did. Dude.